Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, everywhere you listen to podcasts, and, of course, now on YouTube. We're going to be talking about some very exciting stuff. Obviously, the Final Four coming up later into the weekend. But we got some prospects, some of which are not going to be playing this weekend, who got knocked out, some still playing, some still going strong. Actually, really just one that we're going to talk about. But nonetheless, here with me today, Kyle Anderson, been a minute, Kyle. What's good, man? How you doing? Back from the dead, man. Back from the dead. <laughs> so happy. So happy to be back. You have no idea how long I've been trying to get back on and, uh, you know, how how many times I've been talking about it. Just like, you know, friends and, and uh, you know, just random people like, dude, oh, man, yeah, I'm on this podcast. Haven't been back in a while. I know everyone's like, yo, man, when are you jumping back on? Like, I don't know, man. It's it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to be back tough. on, man. You're yeah, out here it is, man. three sports. You're like a, uh, I mean, they, people call it three sport athletes and in, in, uh, when you're in high school or, I mean, God forbid you played three in college, right? But you're yeah, a three sport yeah. coach. That's no joking. I don't know many yeah. coaches at the high, high school level who are ripping varsity offensive coordinator position, basketball and baseball all year yeah. long, just re- letting it fly. It's just a grind, man. It is definitely a grind. So there were obviously a lot of times where, I'm sure, you know, you, you did ask me like, Hey man, you want to jump on? I'm like, oh, I gotta, I get a game tonight, man. Sorry. Like, uh, and it was every single time. So I was, I appreciate you still hitting me up to come back on. So much in, appreciated. In, uh, in your defense, there were times where I hit you up on like a Tuesday at six o'clock be like, yeah, Yo, you trying to rip one tonight. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. That's where we're, we're back out here. All it took for it was for us to hang out on Sunday to watch St. Peter's, unfortunately catch a beat down at the hands of UNC. Uh, UNC has some guys maybe who would make the draft ranks here, but they're not busting through the conversation that we're about to have because we're about to have a conversation about the best of the best. And I kind of made the executive decision before we started recording today. And I think you agreed with me. I don't want to call this a big three draft anymore because all year long, it's been a big three draft. It's been Chet, Jabari Smith, and uh, Paolo Bencaro. Jaden Ivey very much so belongs in that conversation. And I don't know if it's an overreaction to perhaps, perhaps what some people saw in the tournament about somebody or somebody else. I don't know. I think he belongs there, and I think there's a decent chance he can go three. I think it's possible he can go two, but three is very much within reach. Even if he is fourth, I think the drop comes after him. But first, let's hear a word from our friends over at DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. We got the Final Four coming up this weekend, and you can turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win. That's not a spread. That's just to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join in the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? 
Who will hit the most three-pointers? Maybe you think Paolo Bancaro is going to start getting that three-pointer falling for Duke, and Coach K has the storybook ending. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. That's for up to you to decide on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPM. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPM this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So those four dudes, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, no particular order there, even though that might've been more like the preseason rank. What, what, what do you think in the preseason ranks that you remember here? Paolo number one was Chet number one. Cause Jabari definitely didn't start number one quickly correct. became number one. And now the conversation's back. I think it's, I think it was Chet originally. It was just, you know, all the potential, you know, he's going to be playing in a good program with Gonzaga, uh, you know, the, the whole, the upside look for him, you know, I think it was the biggest thing. They were just constantly talking about all oh, the upside the he can play defense. He can project the rim. He can shoot the basketball, all, this, all the skill set stuff. So I think he was, I think originally he was number one. Um, I think it's more of an argument now. You know, I think it's a little bit back and forth between Paulo and Chet. And honestly, in my opinion, I think most like NBA ready, even though Paulo's like a little bit more physical, I think Jabari's the the guy. If if it was, you know, say if, if Chet is the number one guy, I think the next pick would be uh Jabari, in my opinion. And, and yeah, we're gonna get into the breakdown of why you yeah. may think that and all that stuff. Cause what I've been thinking about leading up to this episode here is like the ceiling floor exercise. And that's something I kind of want to touch on on all these guys. And off the rip to give you an idea of, of kind of what Kyle's alluding to here. Jabari has the smallest gap probably of floor to ceiling because his floor is so high. It's so easy to see him at minimum being an effective scoring big who can defend a little bit, who is not, but not a liability by any means on offense, even though he's not perhaps elite. It seems like at worst, he's going to be effective who can shoot who can play his role, whatever. That's like the, that seems like the bare minimum. Now that might not excite people to the point of taking him first. Cause you don't know about the creation and et cetera, where some of the upside, like you're talking about with Chet and Paolo, which we're going to get into, maybe there's a little bit more variance in what they can be. Can Chet bust? Bust might be a strong word, but when you're talking ceiling floor, his floor is way lower than Jabari Smith. Same probably with Paolo, I guess. And Jaden Ivey, I don't know. If we start talking about where he may end up in that ceiling floor conversation, that's why I think he could end up perhaps going three, going two. So so first, let's talk about Jabari Smith because I feel like the way he kind of came into this season was really, really interesting. And he was the type of dude that everyone's talking about Paolo, everyone's talking about Chet. And then if you knew about Jabari Smith first, you were like a Jabari truther before he became mainstream, before it was cool to say he was the number one pick and people saying like, oh, yo, watch out for this guy. He's going to be the number one pick. Like, machine. Watch him do his workout. He looks like an NBA guy already. Like, okay, okay. Then his percentages are crazy. Perhaps his guards over at Auburn didn't give him a lot of help. But when when you just say what you said about him, what specifically excites you about him at the next level? Because obviously at college, it's a different game, different offensive systems in general. Why do you think he translates so well? I, for me, just right off the bat, is just his three-point shooting. His three-point shooting is, like, I'm pretty sure he's in the 30s and 40s this year, like high 30s and low 40s. 
Um, and just off the bat, a lot of the things that he did translated very well. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, you can kind of tell like, oh, for example, like Paulo, he's more of like a elbow to elbow guy and will mix in the post. But also Jabari was kind of all over the place. Like they would post him up a little bit. They work him at the elbow. He catch the ball on the perimeter. He do some pick and pop stuff. I just thought that his offensive game and his, uh, I guess you could say like variety, like in his offensive game would translate well if, you know, he got drafted by some team, you know, any kind of, I'm thinking just any random team he would be able to fit in. Um, and it's, and it's unfortunate because since he's going to a smaller team to start, he, I mean, to a, I'm start a smaller team, you know, a team that's not going to be as good. Right. He's going to have to now, you know, he, he's going to be asked to do a lot as opposed to if you, you know, say you submit him into a team like, let's say, you know, obviously after the bat, you think like the Warriors, but like, you know, a team that's like in the middle of the pack, like think of you put him on like on the Bulls or something like right. that. And he learns from like DeMar DeRozan, you know, and, and his game would definitely go to the next level. Just come in and give you 20, 25 minutes and score, you know, at the, at the rate that he does and, you know, um, give the offense some life. I, it's for me. That's that's what I think about when I when I watch him play. It's just he has so much potential. It's a great thought exercise too, right? Because these guys at the top of the draft do go to bad situations so often. That's why Jonathan Kaminga is one of these extremely rare cases where he's going to Correct. a ready-made contender and he's not allowed to do what Jalen Green's doing. He's not allowed to do what Cade's doing, and you know he's probably not quite at the level of a Mobley or Barnes to be able to impact just as a winning basketball player, but even though he is, but not to that level uh, yet. Jabari, if he goes to, to a Detroit Pistons instead of a Golden State, which is more likely at this point, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be Detroit. It's going to be Indiana. It's going to be Houston, give or take, wherever the lottery falls. It's going to be those types of places. He'll probably be a little bit free. There is a where there is a world where that helps him a lot. Like, yo, go, go mess up. You don't have to go be perfect. There's no pressure on you. Even like in Oklahoma City, you got two guards here who are going to find you. You know, get your open shots up. We'll start cooking with you in the post or a little face-up game when you're ready, right? Like that might actually be good for him to not have a whole lot of pressure to do it all himself or just fit the perfect role. I don't I don't know what's better for his long-term development, but you're so right. Like if he goes to a team that has some foundation already, he can instantly help tomorrow. He could probably walk into the playoffs this year and, and find minutes somewhere. Like that's yeah, 100%. That guy who he seems like you're seeing here. If you if you're looking on YouTube here, like he's 42 percent from three and he's 80 percent for a big from the free throw line. And you know if you listen to these draft pods and read all this stuff, the free throw percentage is a huge indicator if the shooting is going to translate. And for a four to be shooting 80 percent from the free throw line in college as a freshman, like that's that's no joking right there. That means that 42 percent. Yeah ain't a fluke so i'm i'm with you i think that's why i love the the floor upside uh the ceiling upside however is where the question marks start to come in you were talking about how palo's more of like an elbow to elbow guy but he can kind of do it himself he can get to some of those spots jabari maybe he just didn't have the chance a lot of people were crapping on those guards at auburn saying yo have you checked a mock draft do you realize who this dude is on your team like can you let him cook a little bit? Can we feed yep. the man who's the best player in the country right now? 
and it just didn't happen. Some of those guards kind of took over and, you know, they, they lost probably because of it to an extent, even though he got shut out and shot terribly in that game too. So from like the more problematic standpoint, where do you see his ceiling getting capped? Or do you maybe on the flip side, see him being able to, to put in the off the dribble game and become a, a true number one type scorer? Yeah, I think the off the dribble game is definitely going to expand. I think with that Auburn team, like you were mentioning before, they had definitely definitely weren't like a complete like five out offense with them. It was more like a four out one in, or sometimes even like a three out two in, and had some of those bigs in the paint. Kind of, you know, for sometimes I kind of even thought like kind of clogging it up for him a little bit, and kind of giving guys a chance to guard him, uh, you know, a little bit easier. But um, my thing is, like like I was mentioning before, with what situation he's going into, you're like, all right, well, can – if he goes to Detroit, if he goes to Detroit, yes, he'll be able to probably get every shot he wants because they're going to give him the keys. Like, you know, they're going to be like, hey, it's going to be you and Cade running the show. Like, ball out. And some guys can't handle that and, you know, will – get better. I mean, look at job Morant, right? I mean, you go to the Grizzlies and now he's a superstar, like right off the bat, you know, and kind of just took that team over. But there's also the flip side where you're like, all right, well, if he went to, like I said, let's say, you know, obviously it won't happen. Let's say he goes to like the bulls and learn from like a mix of like vets and also some young guys that are kind of doing their thing mm-hmm. and kind of like, Hey man, yo, you do this real well. This is how you can get to this spot. Or, hey, you do this real well. This is, you know, for for example, what this is the drill that you could do in practice. So it's stuff like that where I'm kind of – I I go back and forth because you don't know. But if I was, you know, on my, my gut, my gut I'm thinking his ceiling is definitely much higher than people think, than people are saying. I, I think his just – his game automatically with his jumper alone – is a is is usually it's a, your, weapon. It's it's a, a yeah it's a weapon it's it's usually the back, the other way around where right. guys are like all right hey we have to develop this guy's jump shot but he can go to well, the basket right it's like only if he can learn to shoot right that's yeah. what, that's what you hear about so many prospects you know every single year like hey he's got so many tools if he can just get his jump shot right like he's going to be really good but what about the guy who's got physical tools out the ass right he's mad athletic he's strong he's long and he can shoot he just needs to refine the the handle. He needs to maybe refine the lateral quickness. I don't know if you can refine lateral quickness, but you know, just get more fluid, more comfortable yep. uh, in that regard. And 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 yeah, and, and then yeah, that's that's how that works. And uh, just to mention those teams again, right now, if everything went you know standard in the lottery, it would be Orlando, Houston, Detroit, OKC, Indiana. You know, getting Sacramento, whatever. There's probably some trades there depending on top three and whatnot. Who knows? But out of those teams, because we're now, I, I know we're talking about it would be great on the Bulls or Golden State. Honestly, the biggest fit for me is if he took over that Lowry marketing spot in Cleveland, like that, like big. Oh, yeah. You're not asked to be a five most of the time. You're, you know, you're mostly asked to be like a three, four, not a four, five. Mm-hmm. Go let it fly, like guard somebody decent, like whatever it is. He would be insane on Cleveland, but, you know, that Cleveland was a little too good this year to, to get somebody like Jabari Smith. Yeah. That's the a one, the one, the one outlier season that they've had, you know, great yeah. season so far. And now Jared Allen hurt. Hopefully he'll be back for playoffs. Obviously Sexton out. 
the Ricky Rubio injury for them was a, a killer. Uh, but Garland and Mobley were just filthy this year. So was Jared Allen. They're still going to be in the play-in at minimum, but they're currently not in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens there. So out of those teams, Orlando, Houston, Detroit, OKC, Indiana, you want to sprinkle in Sacramento. Is there one team that jumps out for you there uh, for Jabari? I guess out of that mix, I would want to say Detroit just because they would have Cade and mm-hmm. they would play 100%. off each other so well. And you already have Sadiq Bay over there too. Another guy, another wing that can score and get buckets. Have another wing with Jabari on the other side that can kind of mix in that 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 pick and pop game and also just play off play off of those two on the wing. Again, he can shoot. That would be a great great mix. And I think you have those three. They they could be all right. You know, they they might yeah. be one of those teams where we're talking about like Cleveland right now that in a year or two. They could be something if if you put them on if you put them on that on that squad. And I think drafting for fit in basketball is like a real slippery slope, especially in the top five of the draft, right? Like you just need to take the best player and figure it out later. Yes. Most yeah. of the time. In this case, even if Detroit has Paolo ranked ahead as an overall prospect, I think it actually would behoove them to take Jabari. Cause because Cade and Paolo together occupy some of the same landing spots on the court. And I, I would more worry about Paolo's development because we know that Cade is already going to be that dude. Like he seems like no, no joke, legit, right? If Paolo can't get going as a creator ball handler, which is his upside tool, what's the point, right? So I think the Jabari fit in Detroit is huge. And I do think the likelihood of Jabari going number one increases tremendously if Detroit's the number one spot. For, yeah, for I think sure. Jabari, Jabari keeps the floor more open than Paolo would. I think that's one of Paulo's downsides is that he doesn't have a consistent three yet. Right. And he's almost a little tentative with it. A little tentative. And he obviously has a great pull up because he plays in like that, that mid post elbow area. Right. But that's kind of where Kate needs to work. And, you know, we're all in the, in the pick and roll game. So I, I don't know if defense is going to be able to, they'll probably play drop, right? That big man will probably play drop coverage and he, all right, go ahead. We'll, we'll live with Cade driving downhill because we know Paulo is going to shoot 30, you know, 30% from three. So we'll live with right. that. Fine. But if it's uh, Jabari out there now, they're probably going to try to hedge or they're going to get into a switch just because they can't live with that three ball, that consistent three ball that Jabari has. So that that's an interesting breakdown there. Cause I, I kind of hadn't put that together exactly that. Even if I think Paolo might be the number one guy from Detroit, I still might take Jabari. I might also say this. The Orlando fit sounds kind of enticing, too. I mean, you got some yes. got Cole Anthony looking like at least a decent backcourt, right? They got some building blocks there. Markel Fultz, obviously, still in the mix, getting back from his injury. And Jabari's not a five. He's not this, like, project rangy prospect like Jonathan Isaac, who is never going to seem to work out or Mo Bamba, who's like a five shooter. I don't even know what the heck he is. Like Jabari would slide in there and be a solid presence, like right away, seemingly. And Wendell Carter, who's actually putting together a really solid campaign for Orlando, another dookie right there. Shout like Duke, that's, that's a, that's a fit to me. Wendell Carter. He's been hitting th- some threes this year. Finally. I knew he's always had it in him. And uh, that's a fit. Like that's shooters and big guys who can play on both ends of the floor. So I like that fit. The Houston thing is scary. Ooh. I almost, I have a take. I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that thought. Um, right. 
I'm gonna, I'll hold that thought. We'll get there in a minute. Let's talk on to uh, to Paolo for a little bit here. So the number one guy or number two guy coming into the year, maybe drop down to three. Now Coach K and Duke's kind of letting him cook a little more. He's able to facilitate a little more. He's proven some of those skills, why he was looked at as a top dog in this class. He's still playing in this tournament, Kyle. So first, let me ask you, how much does the tournament go into your mind when you're thinking about them at the next level? Is it is it impossible to disregard or is it maybe, uh, you know, fool's gold occasionally? I think it's tough to disregard just because this is these are the best of the best in the in the the entire country that are making this tournament. So if a guy balls out, I think there's times when say a guy like Kemba has probably gotten a higher draft pick because of what he did in in the tournament or a guy like Shabazz Napier who I don't know where he's playing right now but I guarantee you he probably got drafted too high based on what he did in the tournament. So sometimes it's you know you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. In this case, for Paulo, I think the biggest thing that's helped him out is that uh, Jeremy Roach has been very aggressive and mm-hmm. scored a lot. And I think that's kind of creating more opportunities for him to kind of spin. And earlier in the year, Roach wasn't that aggressive. He wasn't that consistent with his offensive game. So now Paulo's getting those shots and those looks that he wants to get where he's pretty open and they and they can't help off as much as um, a lot of teams wanted to earlier in the year. I think he's getting a lot more room to operate, and I think that's helping him out. He's able to showcase a lot of his skills, which I think is his his ceiling was already high, and I think after this draft, it's probably gone even higher just because everyone is saying, like, if this guy is one-on-one with teams, it's going to be a very tough guard because he can play kind of everywhere, and he's such a big dude. When you said that Roach is giving Paolo room to spin, did you mean literally spin? Because that spin move is is cooking. A spin move is lethal. Lethal <laughs> did not mean it literally, but, yeah, but he's he's <laughs> killing it. Yeah, he's killing it, man. And, and and no one no one ever sees it coming. He he sets it up all the time. It's it's it reminds me of. It's not the same thing because it's not really a move, but it just reminds me of how team just couldn't stop Zion from going left. Everyone right. knew it was going to happen. And he just still did it. And you know the spin is coming, and he does it anyway. Or he does like the half spin and turns around like fade away. He's got a tough game. It really, and great footwork also. Really good footwork. Which is huge for somebody at his side. Not, he's not the quickest dude, you know? No. But if he if he has the footwork, it helps a lot. And he spins both sides. That's the big thing, yes, too. Right? correct. Like when Siakam ran into a funk there, it's because he span the same way, the same time. Span? That is that. That's not the right. He spun. spun. There we go. Yeah, there we go. he spun the same way, the same time. Everybody knew it was coming. They knew how to defend it, and he like got into a funk completely. And now Siakam had forty tonight. By the way, he's totally resurged. He's getting himself. hot. Yo, yeah, he's getting hot. We're gonna talk about NBA stuff in a minute, like yep. you know some NBA playoff vibes and whatnot. His name might come up. He's been playing legit basketball, but it was obvious for a while there. Everybody knew what was about to happen. And Paolo doesn't have that, even though he does use some of the same moves often. The shooting is an issue, perhaps, right? He's a little bit tentative. He's not going to take the threes all the time. Maybe he'll get more comfortable with that. Uh, but the shooting stroke and the touch is clearly there. The mid-range game is beautiful, and I, I love that stuff. And we talked ceiling floor with Jabari. 
let's talk ceiling floor with Paolo here because I think it's obvious Jabari has the highest floor. Paolo's floor is definitely lower. There's a world where I see him settling into like a solid bench big scorer. Like this guy who comes off the bench and he can facilitate a little bit. He can get a bucket, but he's not like he's not changing your outcomes very frequently, right? Or maybe he is just as that bench spark plug. That's the floor. Is that too harsh, Kyle? Or no, is that about no, right? that's no, that's accurate because there's times where earlier in the season, Paul will be playing and sometimes you wouldn't even notice he was on the floor or he wasn't necessarily as a, as aggressive as I think that he should have been. And I think that another, it shows here that, you know, one of the weaknesses, offensive rebounds, I thought he could have been so much more aggressive on the glass offensively because yeah, not every night is going to be your night. And I, we actually, we were talking about basketball before coaching. That's one of the main things we always talk about. Like, yo dude, it's not always going to be your night, but rebounding is effort. All you have to do is crash the glass. You can get four points a game off of offensive rebounds. So it, we always kind of throw it in our guys' faces. Like, dude, if you really if you really want to score, if you really care about how many buckets you get, crash the glass. Right. You'll get you can get two four a game just by getting rebounds and putbacks. You can, if you can make layups, you can get four points a game. So yeah. I think that's one thing that he can improve on. I think just where his position is on the perimeter and kind of in the elbow where guys are taking shots, he can be more aggressive crashing the glass and getting, getting to it. Yeah. And, and that was another thing too. He was talked about as this really hard worker coming into the, into the year. And then, you know, he had the weird thing with like the cramps and like not being able to retain fluid in the beginning of the season, which thankfully they got it figured out over there. I don't know what they did. Maybe mm-hmm. gave start getting some salt tabs, some uh, mm-hmm. some IV, some old school stuff. Who knows? I don't know, man. He, he got, he I remember watching figure. the first game. Dude, dude's cramping. It's the first game of the year. <laughs> it's basketball. Like, it's it's like the winter. The free throw line, bro. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, what is going oh on? God. It was it was weird, but he figured it out. Thank God, right? And I I just think that's the floor, and that might sound harsh, but I think it's really just being realistic. And when you do this exercise. You're supposed to think of the best case scenario and like the worst case scenario. Now, I think it's it's possible that it's worse than that, but I I don't bet that it's worse than this is an NBA freaking player. Like, no joke. Correct. And that's no, why he's, he, he's got talent. And that's why leading into the ceiling part of this conversation, I think he's the most fascinating out of this top three. And currently, I have him ranked number one as a prospect. He's my number one guy. Jabari Safer. But I think upside, I can see Paolo becoming a true facilitating, like point wing. Point wing may be a slightly aggressive statement, perhaps like a secondary playmaker, but like a four or five assist a game guy who's at 22 points, who can hopefully hang enough on defense and, and help out on the boards. Like, I think he can be a focal point of an offense that's really good. And, and that's where his ceiling can increase way past Chet and past Jabari. You know what I can see Paulo being? It's it, Maybe it's just because it's a Duke comp. I don't really think it is. I'm really just thought about it, and I really was thinking about his game in the NBA. It's like a Carlos Boozer, like mm. just a, a guy that just gets buckets from like 20 yeah. and in and can occasionally step out. With Paulo's game, if, if I Boozer think he played say, today, he would he correct. Would be stepping out. He had the he had the sh- the shot for it, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think he's just so consistent with that jumper around the elbow. And obviously, he, I guess offensively, he probably has a better game than Carlos just because he can shoot that three. But just reminds me a lot of the footwork and the physicality that that Boozer played with that I think Paulo definitely can play with. It's kind of very similar like athleticism that they have too. I just thought about that. Um, maybe, they, I mean, if you have a, car, uh, a career as good as Carlos Boozer's, then I think it's a win wherever you draft him. If, you yeah, know, whoever spot people, will, people, especially like in our age generation, like mostly will remember Boozer when he was like a twelve point game. I got like, yeah, that was not the prime Boozer, right? That was older Boozer. Speaking of Carlos Boozer, I I saw him recently. He was at uh, I get, I don't know if this interview has been posted yet, but he was doing an interview with Taylor Rooks at at the high school I work at, and nobody told me that they were gonna be there. So I walk into what is my buddy's office, who I like, you know, go. Just talk, you know, talk to and hang out with. And I walk mm-hmm. in and I see a, a large man sitting down and I see a woman and I'm like, who, who's, and before I could even process who was sitting in the room, I kind of like was like, oh, sorry for interrupting. They were talking and just like kind of walked out and I took a step out. I was like, that was Carlos Boozer and Taylor. Rose. <laughs> and then it was like way too awkward for me to walk back in and be like, oh, hi, by the way. I think I look. I think I might have ate that and like, yeah. hey, listen, man, just want to step in, bro. Great, big fan. Like Taylor Brooks, you're awesome. Like, yeah, keep keep talking whatever you're talking about. But <laughs> you know, that's awesome. That's so cool. So I remember I I mean, when you snapped me that. When you snapped me, I was like, Carlos Boozer and Taylor Brooks at the house at the uh, at the school right now. This is amazing. I was like, what? It's going crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Damn. Whatever. All right. Back on the rails. That was off the rails. Second. Uh, my comp. For Paolo, we can go back and do comp for Jabari later on. Um, is like a, a Detroit Blake Griffin style situation. Okay. okay. Like Paolo's not uh, above the rim ability right now, but he's not like a banger. He's not above, freaky bouncy. Nah. Yeah, he's nah. not. He don't got the freaky bounce. And Detroit Blake didn't really have that either, but he was so crafty and he added that three point shot. And he was a, a guy who can truly get his teammates involved. And he probably didn't have it in his knees to get 12 rebounds a game, but he did have True. the wherewithal and the whatnot. Powell's young too, right? So we can think about healthier knees, hopefully. But mm-hmm. you know, to get to seven to ten rebounds, five assists, and in the 20 point range, like the, and that Blake Griffin was my favorite iteration of him. Like he was so impressive. Yeah. He was so cerebral. I think that's a, a peak for Paolo that I would appreciate thoroughly. For sure. And and that was when. It, obviously, it's on a smaller scale because it's in Detroit and no one's really watching Detroit. But Blake was dominating that team and it was yeah. kind of he was he was the bucket guy. He's all NBA again, bro. Like he was no yeah. joke. Well, yep. I think it was literally probably like he had that MVP top five MVP season. He was probably in the top five that one year in LA. But that to me, the Detroit year was his best year for yeah, sure. He balled out. Yeah. What um, do you what do you what do you see? Uh, what's his name's uh, Paulo's best spot for a team what do you think that's that's the next question and man it's tough because the houston fit in general is more difficult because of what they have there already like Jalen green is going to need the ball a lot i don't think they overlap too much so i don't mind the houston fit but i think the houston fit is going to be for the next guy that we talk about i think mm-hmm. chet might fit in houston pretty well i guess yeah yeah okay see works for me not great I think the best fit is uh, Indiana. 
I think if if Indiana can get their hands on Paolo, I think they'd be absolutely thrilled because Tyrese Halliburton is a dude who 100% can run an offense, but you probably don't want being on ball at that like 30% usage, like some of the top point guards in the league. You probably want him off ball a little bit, doing a bunch of other stuff, and that allows Paolo to become a secondary facilitator, scorer off Tyrese as well. I think the Pacers is, is the best fit for, for him. No, yeah, I agree with that. And Halberton with the Kings, his pick and roll stuff is just unbelievable. He can he can really this create. Just silly. Yeah, dude. It's Brogdon, some of the stuff that he sees. I Brogdon because Brogdon as well. Like you don't need him having a thirty-two percent usage, right? Yeah. So between the three of them, they have serious playmaking ability, and they could all score, right? That's kind of like a sneaky. They can average sixty points combined. You know, you know what I mean? No, like, exactly. No, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Yep, every night that's what definitely what give you 60. No, I know I, I totally agree with the Pacers for sure. Um, I think like you I said with Orlando the Rockets. I skipped Orlando. I think Orlando would would uh have a tough decision between Jabari and Paolo. Yeah, and I and I think that Paulo with with um with the magic, they could high low that that stuff of Wendell Carter a lot. That that would be a problem. Mm. I think having those two offensively be able to both stretch the floor, but also to both, both post up the way that teams are kind of built now <clears throat> where there aren't really too many traditional bigs. I don't know if there's going to be in, like two guys on a, in a lineup that can physically play them defensively. If they say Paulo takes the ball on the wing and Carter's posting up, who's going to guard him. And then, all right, Paul can easily go by some one of these bigger guys that are going to be trying to guard him also. And if obviously if you have a smaller guy guarding him, then they just switch positions and they just go and right. post him up from the mid post. So I think that would be a, a, a nightmare. And obviously we know he can run the pick and roll stuff with, with Cole Anthony and, uh, and sucks. Right. That's a heavy pick and roll, by the way, Paolo. Mm -hmm. and Wendell oh Carter. yeah. I see yeah. Paolo on this side. I'm looking at right now. He's listed at 610, 250. Like, yeah, that's a big boy. That's a big that's boy. A big boy. <laughs> Moving like that. Yeah, that's a big boy. That's a heavy man right there. But yeah, yep. I think I think Orlando, if like say they get number one, that's gonna be like a wild card. I think that's when you're gonna have the real debates. Uh Jabari, Paolo, Chet, whatever, who knows? I think if it's if it's Detroit, I think it's Jabari. I, I think for sure. Mm -hmm. But who knows, man? The lottery's freaking the lottery. So who yeah, <laughs> who knows where that's gonna end up? Uh never let's know. move on. Let's move on to Chet, to Chet here because I want to still get to Jaden Ivey in a minute. Chet is a very, very hard guy to grade because people will be nervous about the frame, about uh, the size. We were just talking about Paolo being heavy. Chet's got a couple inches on Paolo, and he's way lighter. He's not going to be able to push people around. He's going to have to use length and skill, which he has, but is definitely making some people nervous. So off the jump, when you see the frame, when you see the movement, is that something that's really putting notches in his grade? Or are you going to say, like, nah, he's going to figure it out? Um, I'm concerned Both. about chat. Yeah, no, I'm kind of concerned about a little bit. And just from seeing the physicality in the, just the tournament, some of the guys that were guarding him and kind of, like, pushing, like, guys that were – saw one guard was guarding him was, like, six feet tall. And was kind of just like just get almost just getting in his ribs and just couldn't move. And now he had to he couldn't post the guy up, so now he has to go to the perimeter and play. 
I think a lot of it, we kind of talked about it yesterday, PD was, is that I think he's more of a rim protector and pick and pop guy. I, I obviously it's, it's not, it's not a lazy comp for me. I really legit think that he just won't be physical enough to play in the post. So I do see him playing like a Porzingis, like a, a rim right. protector slash, uh, you know, pick and pop guy on the perimeter. Now I think he can handle pre ACL. Correct. He's a different player than who we think of today as well, to be fair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Porzingis when he started. And, and I think that Porzingis, he doesn't, Holmgren doesn't have, he has more of a handle and kind of more vision and more offensive game than I guess KP did in a sense, but also just the physicality part is going to be very, very difficult. Like, say a guy like Bam, they play the Heat, whatever team he's on, and Bam out of bio, a guy that can guard the perimeter and can guard the post. I can see him eating him alive. And as much as as much as the the upside, everyone talks about the upside. The upside, if Bam out of bio played Chet Holmgren, I think Chet Holmgren would have about eight points in thirty two minutes. Yo, he'd be getting moved. He'd be getting bullied, man. Oh, and, no. and, and then he wouldn't be able to go anywhere on a perimeter. Like, you know, Bam can guard one through five. So, and obviously Bam is kind of a unicorn in a sense, but at the same time, those are the kind of guys that teams are drafting or looking for that can guard on the perimeter all night against every switch because teams want to switch right. so much. So it's, so I don't know, man. I'm like a glorified, like four, like a stretch five. Like, is that, we're to, yeah. Let's go back to ceiling floor, right? So ceiling floor, it, it almost sounds like ceiling is a better a better passer, slightly better inside Porzingis, which is a pretty good player. It's not bad. That's a no. It's not. Bad. That's not a bad it's player, just... right? But he's what's what's going to happen when when Carl Anthony Towns is in town and he's supposed mm. to check, him and Towns is in yes. the, in the mode he's been for the past two months and just going through yeah. people's chest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You ain't stopping yeah. that. He's, he, yeah, he's not stopping that. He wants no parts of that. And he, he that's why he's got to go to four. Because if he tries to go to five, it's gonna be it's gonna be over. Yeah, it's gonna be well, good. There's only what four guys like that in the league. Yeah, like MB, yeah. Jokic, Towns, like you know what I mean. And that's well, and that's why I guess and that's why I guess part of me is like, is he really the number one pick? Because mm-hmm. you're thinking number one pick, obviously, yeah, upside, upside, but what if what if he doesn't pan out and it and as much as a number one pick is kind of the upside pick i guess for me and obviously i'm not a gm but for me i'm thinking all right what's going to deliver for me right now or what's going to deliver for me what do i know is the most consistent or most secure uh right. pick that's going to you know going to get my organization going right i need to prove this pick has worth like this year yeah, 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 because you're <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your yeah. job's on a line, and that's that's what I'm really thinking about. Because if this is a consistent project all the time, and my guy's not delivering, and it's and it's a it's a potential pick, you know, a potential upside guy, and he doesn't pan out. Think about like Kevin Knox. You know, we're Knicks right. fans. Like think about Kevin Knox. He was the sixth pick, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's, I mean, it's a project. It's good luck. You know, it's a project." And that project went to shit and mm-hmm. we wasted a pick on them. So it's, it's stuff that like that, where I kind of go back and forth about if he's really the guy or not. And right. 
what what can he really can can he contribute right away as much as we think he can and that's that's where the question becomes right like who, depending on fit again right who who do you have already who do you fit with and then also if you do pick him at three four five range and you get a dude who's a fourth starter who's a 16 nine and four or three guy i don't know something like that who who's pretty efficient you know he moves the ball well and he could really be an effective starter on your team i think you're pretty pleased right yeah. like you're you're fine with that but when you're starting to talk about oh jabari's floor is 17 points a game like if that's what you believe how do you talk yourself into chet when paolo's yep. ceiling is uh, a true facilitating scorer on a on a good offense how do you talk yourself into chet i yeah. think there's one team here if they really believe in the man they picked last year in jalen green i think the rockets can talk themselves into chet the most some of these other teams i don't know i think it would actually really make sense in okc as well with shea gilders exactly. alexander and giddy i think that really checks out but i mean jabari's that's that's a fit there as well. So I, yeah. I don't know. I think from a fit standpoint, I think that's that's the two spots, Houston and OKC, that jump out to me for Chet. Um, Comp-wise, KP is the obvious one, and I do think it's important. I mentioned it before in passing. Chet doesn't seem as like a baby deer. I don't know how to. I don't know what the right term is for it. Like KP, mm -hmm. when he was in New York, those first two years, and he was really going off that second year. It was like, bro, it's just every time he goes up for a dunk, you, you're nervous, you close your eyes, and you're yeah. like, you know, his leg is too long. It shouldn't be that long. I don't know what's going on. Like, you're nervous. Chet doesn't move like that. Like, he doesn't move awkwardly. He moves way more fluidly. So if, if he's like the healthier version of Porzingis before the ACL, or he was truly just a stretch five, like, remember, KP was throwing down dunks. He was a putback, like, specialist. He yep. doesn't really do that stuff anymore. So maybe that makes you feel better. So what's the what's the ceiling? What's the absolute best case scenario for this guy? For Chet. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think to me, like everything goes right. Good situation. Is he like a, an all-star like once or twice? Or is he like an all NBA dude consistently? I think I could see him being let's say like I could see him being a I can see him being a multi-time all-star. I could definitely see him being uh, a second team all NBA guy. I don't mm. think he'll ever be in that top tier of like, oh, this is the best four in the league. I don't think, I don't think so. I think um, he has the potential to, to kind of be that, you know, it's, again, it's like an easy comp because he's like so tall, but you're like thinking like maybe, uh, KD and stuff, but I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't that. think that, I don't think that, you know what I mean? It's such a, it's such a lazy comp. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that's his game at all. I, I think he's pretty unique because he has such great handle and he plays great defense. Like he's, you know, almost averaging five blocks a game and rebounding. Right. But at the same time for me, I'm thinking, all right, do you pick number one picks because they can play defense and rebound unless he's, unless he's freaking Anthony Davis. And he's getting consistent buckets, which I don't. I don't know if Chet can get consistent buckets like that. You know, I don't. I don't know if he's. Uh, and I think it's just to come back to the physicality part. Like, can he? Can he last? Will he be healthy? Right. Is my biggest thing. I, if he can be healthy, I think he can be an all star very consistently. 
but if he's not healthy because he's going to be getting banged around, I, I don't know. That's the only part of the KD comp that I even want to hear about is like, all right, the body type can last in the NBA with, you know, minimal that even KD's had some damage. It's crazy that he's oh, as yeah. healthy as he is. Like he's had some real surgeries. He's had some big time setbacks, Achilles. He had the, the foot injury in OKC. Like those are injuries that derail careers. And he's still out here as the best player in the league. Right. So I, even that comp, just talking about body type is aggressive. Uh, game wise, I don't even want to hear it, man. I don't even want to like nope. think about it. My dude is the, the best shot maker in the history of like history, maybe in the history of the game, the best shot maker. Very good. Very good chances in the history and in his, in his college game, and you he know, was when he was at Texas, college. he was averaging like 35 at, yeah. at Texas, man. So over I, people around people, it's yeah. not, the, it's not one no, to one. Not even close. All right. Well, look, that that's good on chat. It sounds like we're anti chat and it's not that we're, Saying he's a bust. I, I don't think so. I actually think his floor is relatively high. Do you agree with that? Like his floor is decent. Correct. I, I just think his ceiling is the real question mark. Um, mm-hmm. so ceiling floor wise, maybe the ceiling ain't that high as Jabari. The floor is a little bit below though. So it's that same kind of balance. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Jaden Ivy, last prospect we're gonna talk about, then we'll get into a couple NBA things real quick. The the obvious comp, just based off the athleticism, the strength. The the just tenacity going towards the basket is the John Morant thing. It's always dangerous when a prospect's a prospect gets put in the same sentence as Kevin Durant as uh-huh. the best young player in the league right now, right? The best player of the past couple of years drafted. It's it's really tough to be called the next John Morant when this dude is going on a different level right now. However, I'm willing to say this is a four man draft because often we talk about Oh, there's a two-man draft. There's a three-man draft. Blah, 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 blah. I'm I'm willing to say it's a four-man draft. The the shot got better. The athleticism is serious. The playmaking really proved itself to be a thing that he had in the bag when early in his career at Purdue. It wasn't as it wasn't as easy to see. And I think the tournament could have went a little better for him. Obviously, not losing to St. Peter's, playing in this extra weekend would have actually really helped him and had more people seeing him, more people saying his name seeing a couple highlights, but that being aside, like a lot of these scouts and these GMs, man, they're not, they're not getting fooled by the hype. So Kyle, Jaden Ivy, does he deserve to be mentioned with a, this four person draft? Or do you think the drop off comes before him? Oh no. I, I think he should be mentioned in top four for sure. I, mm. I just from watching. I, I'm my point being like equal no, to the rest of the three. No. Yeah. I no, I definitely, I okay. think so. Um, as far as potential, I think he's up there with Jabari and Paula, like we mentioned before, how 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 high of a ceiling he is just because of how athletic and, and twitchy he is. He reminds me so much of uh you know, mentioned it, Morant, so much and just some of his moves, but also just his athleticism in the air. He finishes so well, he can meet you at the rim. Um I, I had season tickets for for Rutgers this year for basketball, so I saw them play Purdue when Rutgers upset them, and he hit big shot after big shot. And I felt like every time that uh, it looks like, oh, the tide is turning, all right, give Jaden the ball, get out of the way. And he was such a consistent bucket for them. And I think, again, everything I feel bad because obviously none of these players have no – 
say in where they go to play. And everyone needs to be in the right situation. Um, just thinking about how many times that teams have been this, the Kings they need to get loaded with guards and their teams just totally just, you know, not even uh, set up to win. It right. almost seems like they just pick the best available every single year instead of picking the best fit for their team. While also so, not picking the best available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. While also not picking the best available. <laughs> because it, like we said, we can make it work. If you get buckets, man, you can play in the NBA. And shout somehow Luka Doncic, who uh didn't get drafted to Sacramento. Great for that just, man. It, some of the stuff Marvin just does Taylor. not make sense. The stuff they do over there, man. <laughs> and I and we, you know, when I found out that that Shaq sold his sold his stake, I guarantee yeah. Shaq was like I'm tired of this shit, man. I got to yeah. get out of here. Like <laughs> every year, I got to defend myself on NBA TNT, you know, inside the NBA. Oh um, my God. You know, hearing shit from Chuck. I'm not trying to hear this shit. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because literally, like, best available. We were just talking about best available. And then, and then you're like, yeah, they were doing best available, except they weren't because they, they didn't weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so they had the right mindset and just the worst yeah. execution. Picking Marvin Bagley. They're like, just forget these three guys in front of this one. This is the guy. This is the guy. We're gonna take him. And <laughs> and and everyone and everyone was on board. Like, let's do it. Yep. Idiots. Mod on. Oh shit. All right. Wait. How do we get on? How do we get into making fun of the Kings? We're supposed to be talking about making fun of the Kings. Oh, because we're talking about oh, if Jaden Ivey went to the Kings, like there's a bunch of guards again. But yeah, Yeah. Jaden Ivey. I think he just needs to go to the right spot. Just go to a team where he can create and spin. I think another good spot for him would be the Pistons, where Mm. I think he would be like a nice like off ball guy for Cade to play with. Little pressure off. Let him. Yeah, man, just Did so much, so much space, so much space on that floor. If he if he went there, we see that fit in the NBA now, where you have I think what what they call it is like the heliocentric offense. That's where like the James Harden is like the be all end all in Houston, and then yes, you know you shoot, speak when spoken to, right? When James Harden mm-hmm. passes you the ball, do something with it. Otherwise, just like set screens and rebound. Like I don't know, but what really works on a lot of these teams is the two person attack, where they kind of both take a little pressure off of each other. And th- that makes sense to me for Cade and Jaden Ivy because Jaden, at least currently, doesn't seem like the type of guy that you want with the 30% usage rate. You don't want you, you don't want 98% of players with that usage rate. You want just the best of the best to actually earn that type of usage. The Jokic's, the Curry's, the KD's, and Curry moves the ball like crazy. So it's not even a good example. Um, so that helps them both. Some of these other spots, like Jalen Green, he probably needs another guard. That's not Kevin Porter, even though I love Kevin Porter's skill. Like to to see him eye to eye and be like, "Yo, we do this together. You don't need to do it all yourself." So I think Correct. the Houston fit makes sense. Orlando, it's crowded. It's crowded. I don't know if Cole Suggs and him are going to make sense there. Uh, but also, I I can see him being the type of guy who comes in and the teammates just fall in love with him because of how hard he plays and how ready he is to like go to battle basically. Right. Like you think about what worked for Ja and why this comp it, as unfair as it could be is something that we all keep going back to is because the way the Grizzlies have rallied around this young kid to be like, yo, this is the face of our franchise. We are ride or die 
for this franchise, for each other, for him, the whole nine. That's part of the reason why Memphis has been so good without him this year. They're now 17 and two without John Morant, which usually would be like, oh, does that mean John Morant's not that good? No. It does not mean that. <laughs> yeah, that. right. This is, I think this is the only time that that, like, this conversation has never come up. Like, when yeah, a, a superstar is like, out, like, oh, man, they don't need them. Yeah. No, I have no one, I've heard no one say that because everyone knows the truth. <laughs> what knows the truth is that he set the tone for that franchise, right? Like, you think yeah. about that, that franchise, grit and grind, brought it back. He legit brought it back. And the Dylan, Dylan Brooks, for as much as, as much impact he has on a game, we don't care about Dylan Brooks unless John Morant brought them to the playoffs last year and it's going to do it again. You know what I mean? So I think Ivy has some of that juice in him and that's why it's impossible to, to get away from this comp. Yeah. I, I think, I think that, uh, that Ivy man, I think that he has such, such a high ceiling. I think he might have a higher ceiling than Chet. To be Ooh. honest with you. You too. I, I really do. I think he has a higher ceiling than Chet just because of, how athletic he is, and you, 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 I know we're talking about Ja right now, but a guy like Ja that has been going to the basket and didn't really have a great jumper early on, and now he's shooting in high 30s and low 40s from, from three. A guy like Jaden, if he just kept developing a jumper and as athletic as he already is, he's going to be he's gonna be around in the league for a long time. He's going to be a problem for, for everyone else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think we touched on some of the fits there. And I, I do kind of unfortunately want to move on a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. Got to get to some NBA stuff. Is there any other guy that just real quick before we, before we move on? Um, is there any other guy in this draft that if you had to just put a flyer on, like somebody said, get, here's a free hundred bucks, bet on somebody else out of the top four guys we just mentioned to be, you know, a top dog in this draft. Like anyone else jump out? Anyone else besides these top four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so reading through some names, you can tell me if anyone jumps out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Ralph. Some names. Yeah, Keegan Murray in Iowa, AJ Griffin, Duke, Shaden Sharp, who we haven't seen play in Kentucky. He might be like the on the mystery of the draft. Yes, he's the mm-hmm. no joke. Matherin, who I love at Arizona, Johnny Davis, Ty Ty Washington, you know, Abaji uh, from Kansas. Yeah, I like my man Keegan, bro. Keegan can score it. And he scores it from everywhere. I, I think he's – and he's, like, sneaky athletic too, which I, I loved about him because I saw, you know, he starts, like, some breaks and no one picks him up. And next thing you know, he's, like, dunking a couple steps in front of a free throw line. And it's just, like, sneaky bounce. You're like, oh, like, oh, I didn't know he could dunk like that or, you know, just get up like that. So him – and and he's he's a guy that was coming off a of ball screen – not coming off a of ball screen, rather, but coming off of, like, doubles and hitting threes. Right. And then working you in the post and then could handle. And I was like, oh man, like he's got a pretty complete game for a guy in college that's already coming off of doubles, but also can post you up and also can jump out of the gym a little bit and can shoot off the bounce. Like, so what can he do? So it must be the catch must be defense. Mm. And guess what? Nobody in the league could play defense either. So Whatever, bro. you'll find a spot. <laughs> you'll find a spot. Nobody in the league's playing defense. Don't worry shooting, about it. You've been shooting, then we'll we'll figure it out. We'll Don't find, you we'll, find a, we'll find a spot for you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It doesn't help that he got you know locked down 
in that first game. Like Richmond took him out. Like he just couldn't get going. But like he didn't really have the help where other people were doing enough to. They were just he was getting doubled and he was getting hounded. Like it was a tough look. Him, him, and Johnny Davis and Jabari all had tough looks coming out out of the tournament. There, Um, I, I do. I told you this the other day while we were at the bar. I love Wendell Moore out of Duke. Yes. Am I going to say that he's a, a a top guy in his draft? I don't know, but I could see him being the guy who gets picked in the twenties, in the early twenties, who we look back and we do the redraft and he's just like seventh. Like, wait, why did he go 20? Like he's a six guy. Who's like kind of a point guard who is just like all over the place on defense, like super active. Like he's got the frame. He's got touch. Like, what, what were we thinking? Like, that's that's what I feel with Wendell Moore. And, and I'll get more into him because, you know, we're not into the, the late lottery in the 20s of these guys yeah. yet. But I like what I see out of him. And you're a Duke man. He, so, no, yeah. I, I think if he if he gets a more consistent three ball, mm. he, I mean, just defensively, man, he gets after it on defense and he's after long, it. gets after, plays he hard as hell. He averages over four assists in, in college, which. And he's not even yeah. technically the point guard, right? And all these the other guard. guys are eating. Like Griffin and is he's, and he's freaky, freaky bounce too. He can bang. Like what freaky am I bounce. Missing? So what am I missing? Dude, he, he's gonna like you said, he's gonna go to the right spot and it's gonna be a team like, oh, like, well, he only shoots in college, he only shot thirty seven percent from three, and oh, he yeah. only shot uh I don't know, but think I mean if you think about it, yeah, all right. So first guy's gonna get jumpers or get shots as polo. Then it's gonna be at the time earlier in the year it was it was uh it was Keels he was getting all a lot of the looks then obviously Roach came around and and then Griffin came around and started taking over so it's like all right like prospect right now for them yeah and Wendell Moore has kind of just been floating around and kind of been as consistent as all of them and he's just all right man I'm getting my little twelve a game you know six rebounds four assists. Just floating in the wind, but if I guarantee, if you give him some more, give him some more, uh, some more work out on the three point, you know, out with the rock, he, he's gonna mm-hmm. make stuff stuff happen. He had forty one percent from three, he's thirteen it. five and four and a half, and in college, that's like kind of yep. silly numbers, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, that's yep. that's silly good for a guy for a guy that doesn't get the ball a lot. You know, he takes right. nine shots a game. Come on, let's let's get my he boy. A, so, he's pretty efficient. This is the best part though about this, and we'll move on to the NBA in a second. So. At 21 right now, is predicted to be the Denver Nuggets. There's this prospect named Nikola Jovic this year. How about who's that? projected right in that range, which is hilarious if they draft him and they have Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jovic on the same squad. That's fine. But Wendell Moore in Denver, talk to me. Come on now. Yo, yo. That, that one feels yeah. good for me. That feels yeah. good for me. That's, that's, a, that's a nice 3 and D wing for them hmm. that, they, that they probably need. All right, that's, yeah, Will, that's Will, a good Barton, look. Will Barton wants some bread? Well, mm-hmm. that's all right. Get that somewhere else. Well, we got well, we got a young guy coming up. So, <laughs> you know who, who's Insurance who's going on? Worry, you know? Yeah, I was about to say and going for seventy five cents on the dollar. Well, I think Will Barton. Thank you for your services. <laughs> <laughs> well, your name might be Will Barton. We're calling him Will Bargain. Will bargain. What... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Will bargain. Well, yo, man, uh, my name is Wendell. No, it ain't. 
That's amazing. Oh, man. All right. Let's talk about the NBA uh, a little bit more specifically here. We won't go too long since we already went super long on uh, all the draft prospect stuff. Let's start in the Eastern Conference, though. I think it's really interesting. I think the West is more specific here. It's like the Suns are up here. Who's going to actually compete with them? Right? Like if the Suns don't make the conference finals, what the hell happened? That's how the West feels right now. The East feels like I have no idea who the hell is going to make it anywhere because I don't know who's playing each other. I don't know who's going to be the favorite. Every day, seedings seedings are changing every day. What the hell is going on? So right now, as we speak, let me refresh this just to make sure because some games have just ended as as we're recording here. So the Heat are back on top technically in the one seed, followed by the Sixers and Bucks with the same record. Celtics had no Tatum Brown or Robert Williams. They lost their deck. Uh, they're they're a game back from the Heat as well. What the hell? So there's four teams there, and then the Brooklyn Wait, so Nets the Celtics just went from one to four, but they're only a game back. So two, three, and four yeah, are all like one how crazy. But you know what I'm saying? Like how crazy is that? Yeah, you you go from you, you ever hear a team losing? Oh, they were first place. All right, well, okay, they lost the game. <laughs> they should be down in the second. They're in the fourth spot. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 barely have home home court advantage. You go from home court. Th- out to just one series of home court that's <laughs> one tough. series yeah yeah that's that's, that's how tough. and i was having this conversation with my my cousin the other day and we were kind of talking about who's deeper the west or the east i was like dude man you know, like what team don't you want uh, what team do you want to play in the east do you know like cleveland, i don't like you uh, and and you know what i'm saying like cleveland they're you know they're more towards the bottom but then the Nets, the Nets might mess around and be an eight seed. Right. So I'm like, which team are you very confident in playing in the bottom besides Cleveland, like we mentioned? I just uh, – good luck. And 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 comparatively, comparatively speaking with the West, kind of like, all right, well, this team's taking a sharp decline. You know, there's a couple teams that, that are right. heading towards the bottom or in that middle pack that were at the top and are now like, you're not really concerned about playing them anymore. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but Paul George is apparently coming back. Yes, like, they did I, say he's I know coming back this talked, week. That's right. We've talked forever about the Lakers this year, but goddamn, do you want to like play LeBron in the playoffs? No. Nope. You know, Minnesota has been frisky, but you probably do want to play them because because they they haven't really done it. So, but I don't know. Like you don't. Maybe you want to play Utah. Honestly, maybe if you're the Grizzlies, you're like, yeah, fucking Utah, let's go. Easy, easy yep. money. Like they, they can't do it in the playoffs, right? So maybe that, maybe that's the other team in the West. Um, but back to the East. Let's get on track here for a second. Yep. Do you uh, have a way of separating those teams? So the Heat, Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, and I'll throw the Nets in. So those five teams. Is there any way where you're putting a team or two in one tier and then a drop off, or, or are you just feeling the cluster right now? I think I'm just feeling the cluster. I'll be honest with you. And like we said, there's there's so many um just changes. I think by the the Celtics now with Williams out, that changes a lot. You know, he's out for, for weeks with that with that right. was a meniscus or yep. or MCL was it meniscus? It was meniscus. He's out for weeks now. So that changes things right off the bat. The Heat, I feel like the Heat could either be knocked out in the first round or make it to the conference finals. And it just depends on what team you're going to get. And the 
stuff with Jimmy Butler is is he already wearing is out his wearing out his welcome again at another at another destination. So it's you have no idea what I at least with those two and uh you know the Sixers have been looking pretty consistent. The Bucks have been consistent. Boston, we don't know, like we said, don't know what they're gonna get, but I think it's just a complete just to put your name in a hat and pick one out, and that's who you're you're playing because there's just so much so much change every day. Yeah, the only the only phrase that comes to mind is like tie goes to the runner, and the runner is the guy who won last year. So like, I'll give a slight tip of my cap to the Bucks and be like, oh, true, yeah, okay, that's true. Like, you you kind of had a reason to not like go super hardcore this year. And you're kind of the only team that had a reason to not go super hardcore this year. So I'll almost forgive their not being solidly in first place right now. Plus they had, no, yeah, yeah. but even still, it's not like they're, they're hitting that stride going into the end here. I mean, they're, they're playing better. They're doing well. Like Giannis's numbers are sick. Middleton's actually had a really good, like four to six weeks now. So he's starting to look really much, like a lot better, mm-hmm. but it's not like we're sitting here talking like, like the Grizzlies and the Suns who can't oh, nah. lose, right? It's definitely nah. not that. So that's nope. the, I'll give a slight edge to the Bucks, And then I'm just like, bro, I don't know. Because I, I can tell you, I can definitely tell you what makes me nervous about every team. And I'll go through that in a second. I can't as easily tell why I love a team in the playoffs. Like, yeah, you can talk about the toughness of the heat, but it's way easier to talk about what happens late in a game and heroes getting shut down is can Jimmy shoot right now? Like he is, he's not shooting right now. No. Right. Is bam ready to take over in a game offensively in the end of the, in the end of a fourth quarter with Philly. It's well-documented with James Harden in the playoffs. And it's also well-documented that guys who are super dependent on free throws in the playoffs don't get what they usually get then. Right. So that's why a reason to be nervous about Philly plus the doc river side of things like it's just not a team you're super duper confident in. Um, Boston, Tatum's been off the charts. Their defense is sick. Can Tatum put them up by themselves? Basically, right? Like, are those are the others, especially with Rob Williams' injury now, are the others good enough to help Tatum if he struggles? Now, Tatum versus Tyler Hero, we know where we're going there. We're going with Jason yes, Tatum. Sir. That dude's an All NBA second team probably this year at best at, or at worst probably yep. like maybe that maybe Boston is the team I, I feel pretty good about right now and then Brooklyn it's like damn I really wish Ben Simmons was playing they have Kevin Durant I feel good but they haven't proven it so I just went through the top four teams that were in Milwaukee and I so easily can be nervous for a multitude of reasons for all of them yeah, for all of them, and they're and all, you mentioned this. Suck. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you literally don't know. I think it's going to be a big thing with just uh, matchups. Once it's mm. all said and done, and matchups and coaches making adjustments, because like you said, it's going to be a toss up. I think another thing that I'm concerned about is James Harden right now. Like James Harden, I he's super inconsistent every night. You know, they, last night I think it was two for 12 or four for like 15, something along those lines at 12 points. I mean, obviously if you're a Sixers fan or, or Doc Rivers, this isn't what you were expecting at all. I think it's been pretty, 
inconsistent the entire time. And thank God for Embiid because he just so so good in, in the middle of this MVP race. But like you said, I I would give the give the nod to the Bucks as well, just because this is pretty much still the same team that they had from last year. And their biggest thing for me is probably, hey man, let's just make sure we get in. We'll take our chances. Yeah. You know, they, they as long as we get in, they don't care who they're playing. It'll be great if we get home court. If we can't, okay, let's not be in the play in. All right, we won't be in the play in. All right, cool, man. Let's let's just line up and play. I think I think that's kind of their mentality and and just making sure that they're healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, and they they feel like the team that definitely doesn't care about playing the Nets. Like, would they choose no. the Nets over Chicago, right. Toronto, or Cleveland? No, they're not going to choose them over. But they don't feel like they're going to be intimidated by the Nets. They've beat them before, even if you know, or about a toe or Kyrie hurt or not. Harden mm-hmm. was hurt last year, whatever. That they're not worried about that. The Sixers. They might be worried about that. The Celtics, yeah. they got a no-joke defense right now, but what, again, the Robert Williams side of things is, is going to be a huge question mark. And Tatum versus Kevin Durant, we're, we're going with we're going with Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Like the Heat, that would be if I'm a Heat fan and I'm, I'm getting lined up against Brooklyn, I'm like, oh my god, Bam, prove prove yourself. And we'll love you forever if you can make his life hell and we can beat them somehow. Because I would, yeah. I would bet the Nets. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking the Nets. And mm-hmm. there's no reason for us to even feel that good about the Nets, but <laughs> it's Kevin Durant, right? It's KD. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. Golly, let, let me ask you this: Raptors, Bulls, any noise? Any, any noise? Like, who's who's the team out of those two being like the wild card, if you will? Who? can mess around and make the conference finals. I hope it's the Bulls. If it would be any of those two, I hope it would be the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah. I think their their team makeup is just they they had some injuries with with Caruso obviously and Levine was out for a little bit. So Lonzo's still out by the way. Lonzo's still out, correct. So I don't know when I don't know I don't know off the top of my head, don't know the timeline for when Lonzo's supposed to be back or if he will be back before the it's end of the year. Right still yeah. Okay, yeah, and that that obviously plays a big part in it because I think when they're fully healthy, you saw just how good they were. Um, but yeah, they have Demar Derozan and they have Zach Levine, and I think that's that's just enough as far as two guys that can get buckets, but also a team team wise that plays pretty good defense. So that that would be the team I would lean towards. I think the Raptors in a couple of years are going to be really tough because I think Barnes is just like unreal. It's like such a like such a like steady, not a crazy highlight guy. He was like that in high school. I remember when I like will watch him like, yo, man, he gets about 25 a game and probably 10 rebounds. And you almost feel like you're not impressed because he just makes the same play over and over. And just like, all right, bro, we saw that already. Like, can you do something else? But he actually does. He just it's just like so steady. I, I don't it's really tough to explain, but that's always how I felt about about him watching him. I love Scotty Barnes. I, I think I'm yeah. gonna disagree with you though. I think the Bulls are going, going down, down the Raptors are yeah. getting they're getting spicy. Yeah. You know, Fred Van Fleet's had a great year all year, 
Pascal is like sneaking into the all NBA discussion and it shouldn't be sneaking, mm-hmm. but it is because they're Toronto and yeah. OG is back in the lineup. Love me some OG like that. Yeah, that's, that's your boy. That's, awesome right that's there. your boy. Yeah. But well, Scotty Barnes OG. actually now has taken over. That's, that's your, is that your new OG? Yeah. I love Scotty. Like, <laughs> he, he's just like, if he was in this draft, uh, it's like so hard to do that because we know what we know today, but no, right. Like, he is the epitome of what you want on your team. And yeah. he's never going to be like a 27 a game guy, I don't think. No. But he is proving that he will be a low 20s guy. He's got, low, he he's, got he's got like, he's got like, he's got like, he's kind of, to me, he has, if you put a score, like a legit score in Jimmy Butler's body, I feel like anything it takes to win, he just does it. Just like scraps on the floor, getting steals, uh, Nick Nurse passing to his teammates. Gets what? Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, and he's actually like entertaining because he's like pretty funny. Like <laughs> watch him on the court and stuff. But yeah, yeah and Nick Nurse all over the place. All he's over the place. He's like entertaining to watch. Like I like I like watching him play. So I think I think if I'm like if I'm Philly, and I end up in three or four, I'm I'm praying at Chicago. I mm. think yeah. I don't want. I don't yeah. want. I don't want. If I'm feeling, you know, what star power. Absolutely. Star power wise, if you're if you're the Sixers and you and you get, um, and if you get the Bulls, you you don't even blink. Just be just off of like, all right, I've got Harden. Who's guarding Harden? All right, I've got Embiid. Who's guarding Embiid? I win. Mm-hmm. Yep. See ya. And if that'll be my that'll be my you know approach. Yep. It's over. Better luck next time. But if you're yeah. in Toronto, it's like all right, Nick Nurse is gonna do something crazy. I don't know who like uh, Nick Nurse will come out and, we, and uh, Van Vliet's Garden Embiid. Yeah, de- guess like I don't know. Some that'll just like yeah. No, but <laughs> then we but then we know how well, how Doc is. Places. Yeah, and and we know how Doc is sometimes in the playoffs. Like it's kind of stale with his with his you know with his adjustments and in, in series sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it feels like some coaches sometimes just have a step ahead. You know, it feels like he's just playing catch up the entire series. Right. So yeah, and that's obviously I'm making a joke. Like nurse making Fred Van Fleet card guard and be like no, yeah, but, yeah, right. The idea is that nurse will come up with some like strange plan, like to do something. Yeah. Like him and Ty Lue to me are the two coaches who are like, All right, we're getting toasted, we're gonna do something very different, and it might work, it might not. And if it don't work, we're gonna do something else different until it does, yeah. and then we're gonna fuck you up. Like that's kind of how I get how, how I feel when I watch the Clippers and and uh, and the Raptors. So, man, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's talk about the West for a minute here, and then we'll say goodbye. Suns and everyone else is the story. Your boy Chris Paul, who is definitely your boy, is back, which oh, is yeah. great to see him. Oh, yeah. Just like didn't miss a beat. Just came back from not playing since like the All Star break, and was like, yeah, whatever. You know, you know assists, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> We're fine. Yep. <laughs> it just killed Balling. it. Didn't, they didn't miss a beat without him. Devin Booker has become everything we thought he was and more, which is great. So here's the question, Kyle. Who's competing with the Suns? Who is the team that's going to take them to the brink or knock them down? Nobody. Nobody. Mm. No. Mm. Suns, Suns winning that thing again, honestly. And I, I don't think it's – the West, and I, I think they might win the whole thing, honestly. 
I think the I think they're going to win the whole thing just because, not only because, but I think in in help to that the East is going to be beating themselves off. You know, they're going to be oh wow, nah, pause, Joe. They're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats to your cops. <laughs> That's amazing. So they're going to be beating each other, right? You know, knocking each other off. That's amazing. <laughs> your cops. Oh, oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I caught it at least. I was like, what? Yeah, dude, after I said it, I was like, whoa, pause, hold up. <laughs> so... I think honestly, I think we're gonna get. It might not be the best team in the East that's gonna be coming out of the Eastern Conference. Is is my opinion. I think there will be some some upsets over there, but I think the best team will be coming out of the West and it'll be the Suns. They just they're just too good, and they and they're you can tell how hungry they are just because of their consistency all season. They they seem so focused, and I know obviously Chris Chris Paul is just such a captain and definitely running that team but i think you can kind of see like ayton is like a dude he's he's like he's like a consistent scorer now he's not just like oh you know he gets his little he's not he's not freaking mitchell from the knicks he's he's a bucket now yeah he's he's contributing defensively as well you know what i mean he's he's kind of making his his name known maybe it's because his contract is coming up you know he's got that contract maybe stepping up a little bit but he you can tell he's trying to put a stamp on this team and i think with his with his production he's really going to take them to the next level because i think he's really you know, just how much depth they have booker obviously chris paul and then you have you add eight into the mix and um biombo also come off the bench like it's they got their team is deep man and ja- ja- JaVale, JaVale McGee is JaVale a McGee. really good player for 18 yes. minutes. Tonight. Maybe, you know, yep. give or take between 12 and 22. Like he can really, really do work. And you're making the perfect point. This is why Phoenix is going to roll to the, 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 the championship, to the finals here. Because out of all these dudes, they need like two to shoot well. They have Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit, Cameron Payne. Like they got a plethora of guys who are ready and willing to shoot big shots. Yeah. That's with Chris Paul. That's with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and two backup bigs who can be a problem. Like, what was the missing ingredient for them last year? They didn't have a backup big at all. Not even like mm-hmm. a stretch guy or a big, a rebounder. They didn't have it. Now they have two of them. One better than the next. Javale being better than Biombo overall. And then Cam Johnson's that much better. McHale's that much better. Aiton's that much better. Book it. They're going to the finals. Yeah. I'm with you. And and Aiton adding that little turnaround where he's just like, we're out oh. here. It, it's it's what he needed. It's what he yep. needed. And he doesn't seem, this is why I think he doesn't get some of the credit sometimes. He's not an in-your-face guy. Like, at all. He's not flashy. He's not going to mm-hmm. scream his lungs off after he dunks on you. Like he's gonna be hype, but he's not gonna go over the top. And B like will embarrass you and he'll make it known and he'll make fun of you about it. Aiden's not that type of player. And watching the Suns and Nuggets play in the past and the the mutual respect that Jokic and Aiden had 
for one another and how Jokic was like, that man over there is no joke. Like he really gives me a run for my money. Like every single game, like it means something to hear that from arguably the best player in the league right now. Like, yo, this guy makes me work more than anybody because he's big, fast, strong, and just works like, and that that's going to prove itself worthwhile over time. And the Suns are going to be crazy to not pay him. But Whoa. Yeah. They better find that money. Yeah. So better find that money. Last question. Just, Give me, give me another team. Give me another team in the Western Conference that's going to make the noise, who's going to push them to seven, who might take down the Suns. Give me somebody. It's tough. I mean, I guess. I think I know what you want to say. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's, I guess it's the Jazz, maybe. Really, the Jazz? I don't know. I think you're going to, I think you're going to say Memphis, honestly. No, it is. You know, it is Memphis. I'm sorry, man. I'm drawing a blank. No, it is Memphis. It'll be Memphis. Just because John Morant, I'm literally, I drew a blank. Because I'm literally thinking like, all right, well, just going down the list. Just like, just thinking honestly on the West Coast, like, well, obviously ain't the Lakers. Right. Warriors, nah. They're not right right now. Nope. Not right. Draymond Green's not healthy. Um, Clips, nah. Um, Jazz, no. Um, you know, Memphis, Denver had yes. Murray and Porter. If you know, De- yeah, Denver's still not the healthy. One, the one team so you haven't said is my pick. I think, I think Luca takes it to that. another level. Again. The Mavs, okay, okay. I think Luca goes right. to another, another level. This, this playoff, like his, yeah. his I'm actually gonna pull up why we finished our conversation here. Luca's playoff numbers are like silly already, but he hasn't won a, uh, Playoff series, yet. playoff series, yeah. I know, yeah. So, like, Trey Young's beat him twofold last year, right? With, with all that yeah. stuff, like, his playoff numbers are silly. And I think there's a chance of him to just do it again this year and just go off. So, last year, he was, or sorry, two years ago when they made it to the first time playing the Clippers 31 10 and 9. <laughs> like, come on, on, on wow. 50%, 36% from three. And then Last year was 36, 8, and 10 on 49% from the field, 40% from three. They lost in seven. Like, you know what I mean? His, his and, only problem is the others, bro. That's true. I, I feel like if, if you're a coach, you know what I mean? If you're a coach, it's it's crazy to say, but you almost live with Luca's buckets. You're All right, he's going to get his, but Hardaway's not going to get his. Brunson's right, well, not going to get his. Hardaway's out too. You know? I think they yeah, Hardaway's out, right? Yeah, but they've been good. But you know what I mean? Like they yeah. they can't they can't go off. If they go off and he goes off, then we're in trouble. You I know, think the, I, I feel like if you're if you're that that kind of coach, you, that's what you got to be thinking. The big thing for them has been Dinwiddie actually fits for them and has been playing well. Oh yeah, that's, he's a great pickup. Huge for them. Great. So pickup. now it's not just like all right, Luke is getting quadruple teamed. Brunson, you need to do everything now. He's now a shot it's creator. Brunson or Dinwiddie, and he's not scared either. So I think no. I think the Dinwiddie thing helps the defensive uh, versatility with Kleba and Powell and Finney Smith. Like they have they have a realm of possibilities where where they can be a little bit of a problem. And I didn't say Reggie Bullock's name. Like if Luca's putting up thirty five and Dinwiddie's shooting the ball pretty well, they can play with anybody. 
So I yeah. think I'd give my best chance to the non-Suns is to give it to Luca and the Mavs right now. Word. Yeah, man. I, I respect that because, I mean, like you said, Luca is just unreal. It's just going to be up to everyone else. Everyone mm-hmm. else just has to step up. And I, I think that's always been the problem. I think Luca's obviously every series he's been in, he stepped up and, and balled out. It's just, all right, what am I going to be getting from everyone else? And can they contribute as much as I am? Or give me 25% of what I'm doing. Give me give me right. 10 points a game. Give me 15 a game. Be consistent. So, man, that was good stuff. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, man. That was awesome. I just want to awesome. I, I just want to hit this button one more time. Congrats to your cocks. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Man? Oh man. Who was beating oh, off yeah, these? Yeah, oh, the, oh, oh, they're gonna they're all gonna be beating each other off. And I was like, whoa, pause, hold up. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Uh we bring that back. My bad, y'all. My bad. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That also that button also goes out to St. Peter's, the Peacocks, right? Congrats to your yeah, cocks. Bro. That was great. Great run for them. Yeah, man. Shout out to Jody yeah, Holloway's Holloway's gonna be taking that job, man. That's the whole job. Can't blame him. You Going think? back home. I think so. They, Is he a seat hall guy? Yeah, so he he started off what well, when he played, he played at Seton Hall. Mm. Yeah, and he was on the last team, I think from Jer if, if I'm not mistaken, the last team from Jersey that that went to the Sweet Sixteen. Mm. And he was on that Seton Hall team that was in two thousand, I want to say. But he was he was actually on that. I know you saw like pictures of him with Kobe at that McDonald's All American game. So he's a Jersey guy, and he played at St. Pat's, right? And he was like you know all world, you know in Jersey. He's like a legend in Jersey. And uh, my boy that I that I coached basketball was you remember Jimmy Syracuse? You remember Jimmy? I heard he you was talk like about old. It, yeah. So. I coach with his older brother, Steve, and his their dad coached for the Roadrunners, was like an AU team in New Jersey. Yeah. And he coached them over at with the Roadrunners. So there we go. they've I been following for a long time. Stories. That's when we need Duff dude. back. You, Yo, you dude, and man, there's so many days about the Jersey basketball circuit. I love it. So many, so many like just crazy stories and just like AU and just, you know, I mean, all that stuff, man. But everybody, everybody essentially is connected. That's what it comes down we to. We got to do much. an off-season pod. We got to get like some other, you know, mainstays of the Jersey basketball circuit and just go, you know, roundtable discussion about. about no, that. seriously, I'll be that'll be sick, man. I guarantee you, if like we can get like, like some coaches or like you know, mainstays of of guys in in that run AU programs, say like players or road runners or uh, shore shots. There's always mm-hmm. a big one. Um, uh, Team Rio, uh, kind of, you know, they're like pretty much run the state coaches like that, and they all got on just like talked about just like recruiting stories and how they yeah. got certain players on and wild stories at tournaments. It would be it would be a sick sick episode. We probably have to do like three parts to that. It'll probably be wild. We just had a money idea. That's what happens when you're recording Boom. podcast at twelve fifteen a.m. on That's a it, man. Now- now Tuesday morning. That's that's what happens out here. That's it. The grind. Good stuff, bro. That was good shit. I appreciate yeah, you. Man. Subway Sports no Talk. Pete Kennedy, thank you for listening. We'll try to do something later in the week. A little preview of the Final Four. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Hit the notifications button so you know when we post videos. Hopefully you're watching this on YouTube or listening on the podcast apps. We appreciate y'all. Shout out.
basketball season, baseball season around the corner, NFL draft season around the corner. Stick it right here. Ooh. That's <laughs> another one. Let's go, baby. <laughs> oh, no. We got we to gotta, we gotta go, man. It's too late. It's another too late. one. Too late. Too late. <laughs> Congrats to your cocks.